A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah. This is Ted Vasquez in the tennis mecca of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, thank you to Ted in Fort Lauderdale for introducing this day two Australian Open tennis podcast. Hello and welcome to Tennis Podcast Towers, where you find us at 44 minutes past midnight watching Dominic team trying to pull off a heroic comeback from two sets to love down against Felix Auger Aliassime he's currently trying to serve out the full set take us into a fifth of course uh, you'll know the result of this by the time you're listening to it we're going to try ever so hard not to be too distracted over the course of this recording but we of course uh, will bring you the soon-to-be-out-of-date tennis news from the match that we're watching. Uh, David and I uh, are featuring in some sort of Freaky Friday-style body swap uh, event whereby I am completely irrationally hopeful about Dominic team and uh, David is bringing the realism to the party. Yeah, you're it's, not, all, it's all very disconcerting. You're not hopeful, you're expectant, is what you are. I'm expectant Oh, well, Guys, no, I'm not, just, I'm not even going to finish that. <laughs> I'm not. Should we talk about something else? And t- <laughs> Let's talk about the rest of the day's tennis, shall we? Let's yeah. talk about on location. Let's we'll, talk about the, whatever you like. We'll um, we'll talk about this as and when it becomes relevant. It it might not be at the moment. We should, should say, you know, Felix Auger-Aliassime in a pretty similar position to Dominic Team. His his backhand just doesn't make me feel the things that Dominic Team's backhand does um so yeah look team Algeria team we'll we'll get we'll get more than a mention later in the show if required but I do think we should start with the return to Grand Slam tennis of Naomi Osaka and the return to the party of Caroline Garcia who who is probably what we should lead with tonight because she was Utterly sublime. Six four, seven six. I'm not sure there were there are many players in the world that could have taken Caroline Garcia that close tonight. She was simply that good. It was it was the sort of tennis that made Andy Murray tweet twelve years ago that she was a nailed on future world number one. It was one of those performances that reminds you why that wasn't a stupid tweet, because she makes tennis look disgustingly easy, Matt. Yeah, and, and and there were moments where Naomi Osaka made you remember why Andy Murray tweeted about her being the best ball striker in in tennis. And it was it was a clash of two Andy Murray tweets, wasn't it? And it was it was Garcia who who came out on top. And honestly, right from the start, she was just on it, wasn't she? It was like wow, this is really good serving from Caroline Garcia straight away and also really good returning, pressuring Naomi Osaka, taking the ball so early, rushing Osaka. And I was just sort of waiting waiting for the moment that it might fall apart for Garcia. You know, when it got tight, I thought there, I thought there would be a moment where her game collapsed in on itself a bit, maybe, and, and the unforced errors came. But... She just didn't allow Naomi Osaka, who played pretty well, I think. She just didn't allow Naomi Osaka to have a real moment. Like, she didn't face a break point, did Garcia. You know, Osaka didn't 
have a chance to really get into one of her service games and you thought, okay, well, we should take the second set for a tie break. But then Garcia just plays an absolutely flawless tie break. She was brilliant. I mean, the sort of tennis I don't think she played once in 2023. Um, much more reminiscent of her really very exceptional 2022 season where she hit that really hot streak of form. Um yeah, I was blown away by how good she was. And it, it honestly, it made it a little bit tricky to tell how well Osaka was playing. Like There were good moments, for sure, from Osaka, but it was just so overshadowed by how sublime Garcia was, I suppose. I didn't, didn't really get a sense of, of Osaka's level because she wasn't allowed to do so much because Garcia was determining it all. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt like... It was such a good performance from Garcia. I mean, you, you, I, I couldn't sort of tell where Naomi Osaka was sort of within the last 5% of yeah. of of her game. But I, f- I felt very confident throughout that match that the base level is absolutely there. I was really impressed with how she served. Like yeah. It was an incredibly serve-dominated match from both ends, which kind of killed the vibe of it mm. a little bit didn't it there were so few rallies, rallies <laughs> that it like the crowd were desperate to get into it and there was the odd moment when they really had something to get their teeth into and actually there were some really small but vociferous pockets of caroline garcia support that did add to the atmosphere but it it was a bit stuttering in terms of vibes and I think David perhaps had underestimated the mental element for Garcia of this all being about Naomi Osaka and how much that would be a pressure reliever for her going into this match. Yeah, she did look really comfortable out there, didn't she, Garcia, from from ball one? There there did seem to be a a freeness about her. Is that a word? Mm. Freedom, a freedom, <laughs> <laughs> freeness. Oh dear! It's I just went. Mm, yeah. <laughs> thanks, thanks we for that, were Matt. all prepared to go with it, David. <laughs> um, yeah, it, you don't often feel that with Garcia. Sometimes yeah. you do, and when she puts it all together, she's as good as anybody in the world. Because there's nobody who plays quite like her, who does this thing of taking returns halfway between the baseline and the service line and increasingly is happy to follow them in and go to the net. Nobody else tries that. And it, it often malfunctions, to be quite honest. And um, she carries on doing it anyway. But when it clicks, mm. you're overwhelmed. Yeah, and she has a, a top spin that is quite unusual in the women's game, I think. Um, maybe Shiontek matches it. Um, but she has she has an incredible kick serve, Caroline Garcia. And again, Shvontek also has a great kick serve. But Garcia's is weightier. It's got it's got the top spin, but it's also got some real heft to it. And and that's a that's such a well, it's not really a secret, but it's a real advantage that she has on on so many other players because her opponents aren't used to facing it either in practice. Or in match play, it's it's bamboozling. I think when she's on, I I'm I'm not even going to stitch you guys up with the question of what it could mean and how far she could go and all the rest of it because the answer is so simple. If she plays like that, unlimited how far she goes, unlimited. But it's always the if, and there is absolutely no predicting the if. Yeah. Agreed. And, and and I think you're absolutely right that there were some some conditions that actually suited Garcia today. You know, it, it, the pressure wasn't on her. And matchup wise, it was they were both sort of trying to do the same thing out there. Big serving, big returning, big flat ground strokes. Obviously, Garcia with the added topspin on the forehand, as you said. But, you know, it was all quite similar. Wasn't a lot of variation out there. And um, Garcia was was sharper, cleaner than 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 Osaka at it. You know, understandably after after such a long time out for Osaka, but you know, she probably won't be on the Rod Laver Arena for her next match. You know, she'll probably be mm. on a on an outside 
caught perhaps and it, it might get a bit lost in the order of play and you might have an opponent who's throwing a lots of different things and it just feels like a completely different environment and replicating that tennis again is is going to be difficult but if she can as you say she can beat anyone I wonder if she'll have Elise Cornet watching her next time <laughs> I wonder whether Elise Cornet will have tickets <laughs> yeah midway through the first set we saw Elise Cornet and two two unidentified males dressed in sort of um comedy sports kit <laughs> Yeah, and, if you were going like as a tennis player to a party, to a, to a fancy dress party, this is what you wear. You know, headband, shorts, socks pulled up. Um, and Elise Cornet was dressed. I, I mean, she looked incredible, but she was in a sort of cartoon French woman's outfit. She was wearing a Breton uh, top and a red scrunchie in her hair. Um, but they, they snuck down the gangway to our left midway through the first set and claimed some seats a few rows in front of us and then got kicked out of those seats. <laughs> um, had to do some serious clambering and to some other nearby seats and then got kicked out of those. So Elise Cornet with a tray of chicken tenders is sort of <laughs> just clambering all over the shop also just having a fabulous time which which was a really good vibe um we didn't um attend Naomi Osaka's press conference because uh we're here recording a podcast and watching Dominic team get two points away from taking this into a fifth set um but reports are that she she's gutted obviously that her Australian open ends here but overall positive and Gutted with perspective sounds like the overall take. She said, I'm a little sad because this is a great outfit. And um, <laughs> she, she really did come out with, with some pizzazz, didn't she? I loved it. I loved it because now that today was a bit of a tale of two, two jackets because there was the Osaka sort of reputation era, um, black, shiny um, disco ball style jacket which she walked out onto court in and then continued to warm up in okay it was you know it was sports luxe but it was a sporty style jacket earlier on on the second court you had Ons de Burr come out in a sort of inspector gadget trench coat which she <laughs> of course immediately removed because it was completely impractical for the task at hand now I'm not saying in the right circumstances that wasn't a great jacket wasn't my taste but Whatever. I'm just saying it was entirely inappropriate for the occasion. <laughs> um, but I think she's got a new kit sponsor, hasn't she? So yes, yes, yes. Um, I'm obviously not the target market. But yeah, I'm pleased to hear that Naomi Osaka feels good about her tennis de- do, do you know, defeat. I, I heard an interview with Wim Fassett, her, her coach, with Russell Fuller, I think from probably from Brisbane when he was over there. And... Wim Fassett very strongly believes that her her best tennis is to come. Not not necessarily her best results, because she, he, he said he also thinks other players are getting better, but he thinks she is actually a better tennis player now than when she was winning Grand Slams. You know, there's still physicality to add to that. There's still... Uh, champion mentality in the moment those sort of things but as a tennis player he thinks she's improved and and will continue to improve that is a fantastically exciting thing to hear um on the subject of Andrzej Burr by the way by the way blink and you missed her I mean I genuinely did sort of I at one point during the early stages of Dominic team I said Jabur is still still got a play on this court right and he was like no sh- no she's played she's been and gone it took about so good, 25 minutes she was, was she really good oh so, it was so much fun to watch her today um just she was the to use my word again freeness now <laughs> there was a freedom about her she she just looked as though the weight had lifted off her and i mean look she had an opponent who is fairly straight up and down, a, a decent ball striker who fed her a ball that she could do with what she wanted. She hit two stone-cold drop-shot return winners. Oh. <clears throat> and, and then on match point, they're just having a rally up and down the court, and she just sort of suddenly swished a forehand cross-court winner. 
dismissively, like as th- as though it was a joke. <laughs> and and then she did a sort of theatrical bow to the crowd as if she'd just put on a performance for them, like on, on a stage. And it was entirely appropriate. It was just wonderful atmosphere. And, and uh, who knows whether that can carry on with, with other, obviously, much stronger opponents. But uh, it was great to see a play like that again. I am very pleased to hear that because an unburdened Ons Jabeur is what I need to see in 2024 because um, I've been finding it quite stressful watching her since since Wimbledon and that's that's on me. You'd have loved this. Um, And that sounds great. That sounds really great. Against Mira Andreeva in the next round. Oh, wow. Hell yes. I think she might school Andreeva. Oof. Wow. Andreeva thinks she plays like Ons Jabeur. She might find out that she really doesn't <laughs> in a couple of days' time. She plays great, but doesn't look an awful lot like Ons Jabeur. Uh, that makes, by the way, uh, all four uh, Grand Slam main draws that Mira Andreva has won matches in as a 15 or 16-year-old, which um, sounds a brilliant stat and is. That's obviously so miles ahead of the curve. It's it's incredible, and Andreva is incredible, and you're thinking, oh, that's a great match stat, isn't it? And then you realise Martina Hingis had sort of won two Grand Slams <laughs> at the same point um, and kind of ruins all stats in that department. Um, so sticking with the women's draw, Coco Goff opened up play on Rod Laver Arena today, showing evidence of her off-season work with Andy Roddick, David. Yeah. I was excited when I read that. I, I didn't know about it. And uh, yes, he's helped her with the serve. And who better? Obviously, you're talking about one of the all-time great servers. And I, and I feel as though somebody who really understood what made his serve great. He is somebody who can dissect and pick apart. And I think he he has the the communication skills to paint the pictures for her to understand how to make her serve better and to show her. And, you know, I think they spent two days together in Charlotte, she she was saying. I mean, that could be a total game changer because she's got the raw materials. That That's what I'm sure... I'm sure he looked at, looks at that and thinks, and he offered his help. This is how it came about. He... I, I reckon he... He knows that, that she's got the fast arm. She's got the general motion. This is somebody who could have a truly destructive serve in the sport. And, uh, well, with his help, I think that that's given a heck of a lot better chance to, mm. to come to fruition. Yeah, because we know Goff's made a like a very small technical change on the serve. Like It's, it, it's almost imperceptible. It, it, it's not major at all, but it is there. But I think what I really liked about her answer was that she wants to use her serve aggressively in the way that Andy Roddick used to. And I think what she means by that is maybe almost going back to, honestly, when I first saw Coco Goff in the juniors, the thing that struck me the most was how big her serve was, like compared to everyone else. And, you know, it, it seemed like she would dominate points with that. And I don't really think of Goff in quite the same way with with her serve uh, in, in in the last few years it has been a bit of a vulnerability at times but I think it sounds like her sort of whole mindset her sort of approach to the serve has been slightly adjusted and Andy Roddick has helped with that and um, honestly it wasn't great to begin with today she lost the first three service games Andy Roddick was probably hoping that uh, you know he wasn't shouted out for his services <laughs> after, after the way that started but then you know Goff sort of admitted that she was just she was nervous in in that first set and you could tell it was really tight but as soon as she won that first set she breezed through the second and she broke Schmiedlova in every single Schmiedlova service game and um yeah it was it was a pretty straightforward win in the end for Goff. I have always found it a little curious that sort of shot or aspect specific coaching isn't more of a thing in tennis I don't know whether it's just because of that brief time when Novak Djokovic employed Todd Martin and Mark 
Woodford to improve his volleys and that was seen to have been a failure that that kind of killed the whole idea forevermore but um it just seems like a really good idea to me and maybe it kind of happens more behind the scenes than we know about but we certainly don't know about a lot of it happening yeah it it is unusual really and, and it does seem that it should have merits and and it tells me that Djokovic was really ahead of the game there and and yes whilst he didn't see immediate benefits we can say that he looks a pretty secure volleyer these days and and uh, how much of that is down to them maybe you know I often think about things in in life that I I didn't learn when I was younger but actually I soaked up as it happens mm. and realized of I do know about now um and I, I, I wonder whether that, that is a thing. But, yeah, I, I do think that there's something in it. And I, I think it sometimes makes me sad the way that Emma Raducanu's methods are dismissed a little bit because they're not traditional. And I think that I'm not entirely sure she's right either. But I think her and her dad's idea would probably be line up a bunch of people and get them to to work on my various bits of my game. That's what I really want. I don't really want to just hang out with you. You know, and just have one mm. coach. Mm. It's just that that's not a career, is it, for many people? That's the problem. Uh, Dominic team, by the way, has taken the fourth set. We're into a fifth, but we're about, what, a mile and a half down the road from Melbourne Park, and it has just started raining really hard here. Is that what that is? God I think so, dear. yeah. So I, I, I predict there's shortly going to be a stoppage on the second court, um, which means that, It'll probably resume just as we're finishing recording the podcast. We'll all get embroiled <laughs> and uh, we'll be voluntarily staying up till 4am with Dominic Team and Felix Auger-Eliassime. Ah, oh, the Australian Open. Coming back with a little nightcap at the end. Yeah. <laughs> um, What's this, if not a nightcap? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Wimbledon champion is out. And it's, it's not so much that she's out. Perhaps Marketa Vondrasheva, like even after, even since winning that Wimbledon title and backing it up pretty well, in my view, in the second half of last season, especially given that she was struggling with injury for a lot of it. I don't think any of us ever thought she would suddenly become a, a completely different human being and not be prone to early exits and surprise results. But to lose 6 1 6 2 to qualify Diana Stremska is alarming frankly and I, I feel annoyed that I I didn't see this coming more because she was poor at United Cup she was really poor in Perth yes she did win one match against Olga Danilovic but only just and Olga Danilovic ranked way outside the world's top 100 um, and somebody that frankly Marketa Vondrosheva should be beating pretty comfortably and um, it was a it was a bit of a struggle for her, and she just she looked not really there and not really bothered. And I guess I thought maybe team competition isn't quite for her. It's it's very early in the season, you know. She's build building up to things. It it'll be fine. But I do wonder if you know first off season back at home after becoming a, a Wimbledon champion, maybe that's the point at which the adjustment hits her and maybe maybe she isn't quite ready for the merry-go-round to resume again I don't quite know because obviously I don't understand Marketa Vondrosheva and I'm not sure any of us can claim to but that is a that's a brutal defeat today and isn't that maybe the conclusion to come to that actually she's always been like this she's always been able to produce incredible performances reach the French Open final, then disappear, and you, you're left scratching your head as to why she can't string it together. I mean, human beings aren't necessarily always able to just go down a straight line. Um, but I had her in the quarterfinals, <laughs> and she's, she's out in the first round, and she wasn't even close to winning today. She was nowhere near it. Diana Yastremska, that was one of her better performances. But... She didn't have to beat much today. Mm, tough scene for Vondrosheva. A few other 
wins and losses on the women's side. Tough day for last year's quarterfinalist Donna Vekic. Tough, tough draw for her, quite frankly, facing Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova in, in the first round. Um, dodgy first set, I think, from both players. Quality really improved in the second set, but um, Pavlyuchenkova just... I mean, she's a talent, Pavlyuchenkova, isn't she? She's a... A lovely ball striker. Um, Simon Briggs comically scathing about them both when he came to have a look over <laughs> our shoulder at the uh, at the screens. He'd what been, did he say? He'd been watching them very. He just said it was a shocking match. <laughs> yes, I felt like he he sort of needed to express that, didn't he? he sort of yeah. needed to tell us what he was feeling about this match. Bless him for watching though and supporting Pam. <laughs> Indeed. Um, hope you're all right, Pam. Tough draw, that. Tough day for Donna. But um, I do like watching Pavlyuchenkova. I really do think she's a talent. Um, Svitolina, a winner in straight sets. Paula Bedossa. Honestly, look, it, this happened at a time when a lot of things were happening. Didn't really get to watch much of it. But she dismissed Taylor Townsend today. Um, so I'm, I'm going to make a pledge to watch her in her next round and find out if she's back, maybe. I'll let you know, <laughs> folks. Um, and Storm Hunter, a winner today, 6-4-6-3 versus Sara Irani. And I wanted to mention that not only because I think she takes sen- the Sensation of the Day award for me, not a, not a dramatic match, but I think she's... Uh, I know that... Matt questions whether women should be should be sen- considered sensations <laughs> by the typical definition. Yeah, no, that makes me sound bad. And if you well, want it, the, explain it, Matt, and make it sound less bad. If you bad. want the official definition, it is on the tennis podcast terminology page, which yeah. is linked let, via our show. Notes. Let's let Matthew re- Matt rescue himself. <laughs> well, only I called you Matthew there, like your mum when you're in trouble. <laughs> Quite right, too. <laughs> <laughs> Only from what I've observed on, on Channel 9 and, and, and heard on, on the various radio channels over the years that when they are referring to sensations, it tends to be men. Mm. It tends to be Max Purcell, Christopher O'Connell, the original John Millman, <laughs> Millmania. How can we forget? Oh, the Australian sensation. <laughs> you know, I just haven't picked up them mm. describing the women as sensations. But for us... Yes, we're allowed to extend yeah, our I think so. and, definition. And, and that was a lovely moment for Storm Hunter because I hadn't realised quite how long she'd been around. She, she, she played the Australian Open and lost in the main draw for the first time in 2014. And this was her sixth attempt trying to win a main draw singles match for the first time. And finally she did it and her parents were there. They'd, they'd, they'd flown in. Um, so really special, and you know she's she's here as the world number one doubles player. Mm. You know she, she she is a very sort of big deal, and yet she just hasn't had the singles results to sort of back that up, I suppose. But she's incrementally made so many improvements in her game, and yeah, it was just really really nice for her to get that that moment today. Mm. I thought. And she's such a salt of the earth oh. Aussie. Like she is everything the Aussies want to cheer for. Yeah, uh, and she's and, been and she's been amazing for them in the Billie Jean King. Cup yes, the last exactly. Of years. Um, and they are gonna cheer for her in the next round because she will be facing Laura Siegmund. <laughs> so expect a, an Aussie version of Goff against Siegmund. <laughs> Uh, at the US Open, and we know all, all the hoo-ha that happened there. Just give, give us a little bullet point list of things that Laura Sigmund does in matches, Catherine. You, oh, you it's right on, on the edge of what's fair, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> she Look, she's got a degree in psychology, as Laura Sigmund. She knows exactly what she's doing. She is. I, I commentated on her match today. She beat 17 seed Katarina Alexandrova. I was alongside Andrea Petkovic, who knows her well, loves her as a person, admires how incredible a competitor she is, but just says, you know, she's prepared to do whatever it takes to win a tennis match. And I, I love and admire the fact of that. 
But it does make her behave in some pretty dastardly <laughs> ways sometimes. And it is. It's pretty it's pretty dark. You know, some of it, in my opinion, is on the umpire. The the rules of the game are you play at the service pace and she doesn't. She just categorically <laughs> doesn't. She's constantly um at the back of the court with her with her back to the server when they're stood there at the service line waiting to serve she's constantly when the the server is you know set to start their motion holding up her racket to say i'm not quite ready there's a lot of look the the sun was in a problematic position today and i'm sure there would have been some aborted ball tosses but the timing of them can be suspicious uh-huh. i would say um and she she takes so much time between points she got one time violation today which i'd say was incredibly lenient umpiring and she was furious about it the she was utterly indignant um so yeah expect some dark arts and expect her to utterly lean into being the bad guy facing storm hunter and However many thousand Australians are, are on Storm Hunter's side, depending on what, what court they put that match on in a couple of days' time. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel. And Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live. And you can watch on your phone or your smart TV, both in HD. Matt, this sounds like your kind of thing. Yeah, there's nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere, dipping in to where there's the latest final set tiebreak or even the latest bit of aggro. And David, don't worry, you can just watch your favourite court, Suzanne Longlen, all day if you want. But whatever you choose, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Do you know, I think in a lot of ways, the French Open is now my favourite slam. It's the strategy of the clay court tennis, the way it challenges players, and particularly now with Legends of the Game up against the new generation of young players. I cannot wait. Be there when it happens with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Subscribe to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. I will tell you about men's sensation of the day and uh, other more generally relevant men's results from uh, from day two in just a moment. But first, I'm going to tell you about On Location, the premium hospitality and An experience, experience provider. provider, who, of course, we are very proud to be sponsored by throughout the Australian Open. For the first time ever, On Location will be the official hospitality provider of the Olympic and Paralympic Games Paris 2024. That means you can gain unparalleled access to the Olympic Games when they take place in Paris from Friday the 26th of July to Sunday the 11th of August 2024. That includes watching track and field at Paris 2024 like never before with prime seating, exclusive lounge access and more. I once went to see track and field, uh, the World Championships, actually. They were held at the uh, London Stadium, which was, of course... I went to that. The Olympic Stadium in 2012. Uh, we had amazing seats. 
um, but because they were right at the front, but they were also in the very small area of seating in the London Stadium that isn't covered, uh, and there was there was rain. So I think it was actually a, a full-on named storm that came in last night. I had to buy a poncho. It was a whole it was a whole thing. <laughs> um, so exclusive lounge lounge access sounds blooming fantastic. Uh, a, a prestigious, highly limited hospitality experience with unprecedented access to the most defining moments. If the athletics will see you witnessing history being made from the most coveted seats overlooking the track and field events. Our most exclusive package features finish line tickets and world-class hospitality at the most sought-after evening final and semi-final events before, during and after the sporting session. It includes... This is, this is almost a bit cruel making me read this out. This is... For someone that suffers acutely from FOMO, I'm I'm finding this increasingly difficult. <laughs> the package includes category first finish line tickets for an evening final or semi-final event, premium hospitality in on-locations, gold-level lounge close to your seats, fine gourmet dining, dining with a premium selection of champagne. Oh, it's all my favourite things. A premium selection of champagne, spirits, wine, beer and soft drinks, exclusive meetings with star athletes, Invitation only access to Salon 24 on locations hospitality space in central Paris. A commemorative Olympic Games gift and dedicated on-site staff to see to your needs. Just go to <laughs> tours4tennis.com forward slash podcast. That's tours, the number four, tennis.com forward slash podcast and select Olympic Games Hospitality. Packages can be purchased there or a dedicated on-location team member can contact you directly to create your perfect package. Oh. <laughs> just sounds so good. Uh, right, on to men's results from day two at Melbourne Park. Very quickly, my men's sensation of the day, not overall sensation of the day, but I'm going to award it to Alexi Popperin. Pretty straightforward for him over fellow sensation Mark Polmans, but it does mean that he sets up that meeting with Novak Djokovic, which is what we wanted to see him do, and he's done it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's done his job, and he hasn't worn himself out. He hasn't gone five epic sets, which I think would have been very easy to do in an environment like that. And now he gets to go and show us what he's got. And and I hope he plays well because he's got something. And I don't feel like we've seen the full extremes of it yet. Here, here. Yep, that one will be in two days' time won't it? Because yeah. we're still playing round one matches tomorrow. Uh, there were us, other Aussie male winners today, Alex de Menor via the retirement of Milos Raonic and Jordan Thompson winning at the time of writing. I'd written TBC on Rinky Hidjikata, but we have just watched Rinky lose mm. in a fifth that, set tiebreak. Tough scene for David, that. But great scenes. Great scenes. Like he, he did well to take it to a fifth. Mm. And then looked like he looked like he might have it, but Struff is Struff's tough, isn't he? He, he? he dealt well with that riot that was going on around him. So many great matches, atmosphere-wise, that mm. we've had in the last couple of days. Court three is just the perfect match for that uh, perfect court for yeah. that kind of match and conclusion. It's just a heady concoction. Mm. And and you mentioned Dimonor there. I am excited for Dimonor Arnaldi. In the next yes. round. He's such like, a talent, Arnaldi. And like, He's a good watch. I, I don't know how the rallies end. Because they both defend so well. Well, you say that and they do. Dominor still does defend really well. But he's also become a bit of a serve bot. It's very... Well, true. It's very <laughs> weird. Uh, suddenly, he's an absolute machine on serve. There was... Uh, I think he was almost 100% first serve points one in the second set against Milos Raonic and okay he's not he's not an all-time great returner is Raonic and he was struggling with injury by that point but it's not an isolated incident of course he was doing that against Djokovic at United Cup as well so uh, what about uh, title contenders in action on day two at Melbourne Park is that harsh on Alex de Menor does anyone want to correct me no No, okay I, I, I tell you, know, it, it is interesting, though, that, I mean, we we joke about the sensation stuff, but if you turn on the telly, 
they they are talking about him as a title contender. <laughs> yeah. There's no question about it. Yeah. And it, I, I keep trying to imagine the same situation at Wimbledon because we do our own hyping the Brits. He's just cracked the top 10. He's just beaten Novak Djokovic, world number one. We'd be overplaying it too. I, I don't know to the same degree. I honestly can't say, but... We certainly gave Tim Hemmen a heck of a ride. <laughs> we did give we? Tim Hemmen a heck of a boost, yeah. <laughs> uh, Daniel Medvedev had a very odd match today, which I missed most of because I was detained with Laura Siegmund. Um, but Matt, you had eyes on this bizarre debacle. Mm. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't look away. It just became so enthralling and... I feel bad saying that, really, because the reason it became so enthralling was because poor old Terence Adman from France was just in terrible pain. He had some of the worst cramps I have ever seen. You know, he went full using his racket as a walking stick, bent over, unable to walk. Which Medvedev himself did a couple of years back exactly. in, in uh, Miami. In Miami, yeah. It was like that but for a longer period of time. And he was, he was honestly, he was screaming in pain. Um, he was having to underarm serve and, and he was having to underarm serve, but Medvedev was still really committing to a bit to his return position miles behind the baseline and sort of acting surprised every time the, the underarm serve came at him and he would sprint forward and, you know, <laughs> almost always hit it for a winner. Um, but it was a shame in a way because... Atman was playing so well. He was really playing well in the first set. He's a lefty. Uh, he was causing Medvedev all sorts of problems. Medvedev said, I knew the name, but not the game. And he said he, he asked some of his fellow players. Do better than us things. We, we didn't know the name. <laughs> he asked some of his fellow players. And, and the general feedback that he got going into the match was that this guy's uh, forehand was way better than his backhand. So he took that on board. And then he was like, he never missed a backhand in the whole match. She was like, thank you guys for giving me that wrong information. <laughs> um, unfortunately, Adman had to retire um, because it was, it was just unsustainable to, to keep, you know, to keep up that level of pain, I think, to be quite honest, that he was in. Medvedev himself said that he was struggling physically and he, you know, he, he benefited, obviously, from, from what was happening to his opponent. And had his opponent not started cramping, it might have got really quite tricky for Medvedev because he was feeling it out there in kind of his first match of the season. And today was so much hotter. And he said, mm. ever since he's been in Melbourne, it hasn't, hasn't been like this. You know, and suddenly he's playing his first match of the season. He's playing in conditions which are very different. And, and he was feeling it. Um, but yeah, a kind of match that you just couldn't look away from. But it was it was weird. Were um, were those quotes from Medvedev's press conference or from his on court interview? <laughs> well, you're. <laughs> I wouldn't know. You were in his press conference, weren't you? <laughs> well, <laughs> I tried to be. It's been a weird day. I really, I really yeah. went with the best intentions of attending but- Daniel Medvedev's press conference. There I was early. Uh, took my seat in the main room. Uh, was was eagerly waiting, and I'm thinking this this weird isn't showing up, and there's no one else in here. It's all it's all it's all very very weird. Took a picture of the empty press conference room, posted it on Instagram, caused a bit of hoo ha about uh, the state of tennis journalism. No one showing up for a Daniel Medvedev press conference. <laughs> Turned out I was in the wrong room. <laughs> uh, <laughs> entirely on me at first i was i was completely outraged i was like they've put the wrong room on the whatsapp group check the receipts they put the correct room on the whatsapp <laughs> group uh i just had an absolute shocker can, can, can i just say as well when i was in the i went to retrieve my lost water bottle from the uh, commentary box and you have to walk through the the players congregation area and at, just after this match had finished Medvedev's coach, Gilles Savara, isn't it? He was he was waiting there outside the the locker room, and walking towards me as I was going past Gilles Savara was uh, Alexander Bublik with a massive grin on his face, and I just saw him walk past me and, and say to Gilles Savara, 
So did the guy die or what? <laughs> okay. Which was just his kind of humour, I think. <laughs> what did Savara say? Laughed. Sure. <laughs> Poor ass man. Uh, Stefanos Sitsipas is trialling a brand new service motion, sort of, some of the time. We, we've talked about... I mean, I think there are more technical changes than usual coming out of the off-season, I would say. We've talked about quite a few of those. Coco Goff, Igor Svantec, most notably, I think. But they're all... It's all in the details, isn't it? With with both of them. Stefanos sits a pass. He's reinvented <laughs> it's it. It's just like watched a YouTube the YouTube video or something and gone, oh, I'll try that for a bit. Mm. But not all the time necessarily. And he only started practicing it a couple of days ago. <laughs> it's a bit Is like that right? Joe Wilfred Songer is in single-handed backhands for fun. <laughs> What's going on, Matt? Well, yes, so he, he comes out to serve against Zizou Bergs, his his lucky loser opponent, and I watched the first point and I think hang on a minute. Sitsapas <laughs> doesn't serve like that. What's what's going on here? And also, like I'd watched Sitsapas in the United Cup. So it wasn't like I hadn't seen him for weeks and you know perhaps I wouldn't have been so surprised but I you know watched him play tennis just a few days ago and yet in those few days he 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 has as he said started trialing this new service motion and it's mid-sentence Dominic Team has just hit the most incredible backhand down the line (laughs) we all just held our breath screw Sitsabas's serve let's talk about this do you see the grin on his face after he hit that He's just kissed look, the frame of his racket. He needed that because this set has been a tough scene. Oh, it's going to make oh. me cry. Carry on, Matt. Anyway, Sitsipas has changed from what is called a platform service motion where you keep your feet apart and throw yourself up into the ball to what is called a pinpoint service motion where you drag your back foot together to your front foot, so you sort of propel yourself forward with the back foot. Was that lingo that you knew before today? Yes, because... That's because Matt's better at tennis than us. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly because Yannick Sinner has, has gone through the same thing in the last couple of years. He, he's experimented with both. Um, anyway, so it's a big change to make, but yeah, he's he's only been apparently doing it in the last few months. There was some speculation that it might be a thing to help protect his back because we know he's got some back pain and apparently the pinpoint service motion is better on your back Uh, he didn't want to say whether that was the case he didn't really go into that Um, and most of the time he was using the new service motion there were occasional instances where he would go with with the old one but it does seem like something he is trying to commit to and do you think those were choices or do you think he just forgot I don't who can say just for confirmation Roger Federer service motion platform yeah Andy Roddick pinpoint yes I mean I'm watching Felix Ogelia scene right now definite pinpoint the way he drags that that back foot up to the up to the front one okay yeah I doubt, I'm not sure that Roddick did have yeah, it, no well, his feet are together when yeah, he but, when but, he they're together, but they start together. Oh, yeah. right. So the what's pinpoint, that called? The pinpoint is, is So the drag is, the is critical to pinpoint. So there must be another name for one where your feet start together and don't move. Yeah. The Roddick. The, the Roddick, yeah. <laughs> and the Monfils. Yes. Which is just a copy of Roddick. Sitsamas's decision is very much, I decided to have melatonin. Yeah. And I suddenly wondered why I felt sleepy during the match. It doesn't feel very doesn't feel like he's being very intentional about his career right now and maybe that ma- we talk about this all the time it's it's don't we maybe that makes for a happier human being and maybe that's better but we're here to talk about it not that we don't care about his happiness but we're here to talk about his tennis and i'm not the thing I'm is, sure, it's going he, brilliantly from that perspective. I think he is very serious about his career but i think he he is making some confused Mm. 
On the spur he's of the got a lot of cooks, hasn't he? And he was asked about that in press. He was specifically asked, was this your decision to trial this new motion or was it a team decision? And he was at pains to say it was a total team decision, as in he consulted everybody on his team. He basically listed them one by one. He, not even just him and his dad, who's, I think, formerly his, his coach. He said it was... Everybody, presumably Petros, had a say. Um, so, yeah, and I know I, I absolutely hear that. You know, there's there's a time and place for that, but it is it's a lot of cooks. Uh, ben Shelton, a winner today, straight sets. Um, he now plays sensation Chris O'Connell, who I briefly was all about yesterday. <laughs> uh, Matt and I went to Ben Shelton's press conference just for the vibes because. We had a bit of an energy dip at that point in the day. We were really struggling and they called Ben Shelton to press and we just went, yeah, let's go for a pick-me-up. And it worked. Paid me a visit as well, didn't you? Which also worked. We went to visit all the hype men. (laughs) One by one, it was great. And and, um, that was a good win for Shelton against against Bautista Agu. And, And what I liked about it was what I asked him in the press conference in terms of like a year ago... I don't think Shelton could win that match in the way he won it today. Like, he wasn't relying on his serve. He was rallying with Bautista Agu. He was mixing up his game. And there's just been so much development in 12 months. There's and, so and much still to go. He thanked you for that question. He did, actually, he? didn't he? Yeah. He said, thanks for saying a nice thing about my game. Yeah. It was, it was, Which, that's really sweet. Yeah, it was you know, great. It was the pick-me-up we needed after, <laughs> after the 4 a.m. finish on, on day one of a slam. That is categorically not it. I hope you enjoyed reliving that pick-me-up because we now come on to the Andy Murray section of oh, the podcast. I'd, I'd almost forgotten about that. Buckle no. up, folks. Straight sets. The straightest of sets, really, for Thomas Martin Echeverry, who's some player... Um, and Murray was yeah. at pains to point that out in his press conference afterwards. And it was, you know, clear for all to see. But much like with Von Drosheva, it was the manner of defeat today for Andy Murray. There was no moment where you thought it might happen. The crowd, the crowd were up for it. The, the crowd were up for a, a marathon ordeal to try and carry Andy Murray and his metal hip through to a rugged fifth setter that everybody would feel flattened by for days to come but he just didn't have it in him today and it was a pretty poignant departure from Melbourne Park nobody's going to be retiring Andy Murray we've been there done that we're not going to fall into that track trap but of course retirement was a topic of discussion and questioning in the press conference afterwards. Andy Murray didn't shy away from it. I don't think it's quite clear he doesn't want to disclose what endpoint he has in mind, although he has disclosed that he does have an endpoint in mind if his body allows him to reach that endpoint. If his tennis allows him to reach that endpoint, he said if he continues to play tennis he's not enjoying, then then he'll he'll revise his his plans but he was quite happy to talk about the concept of retirement you know he's told us he's constantly constantly reassessing on the basis of how well he's playing tennis and it was not good tennis today and he said he was asked is there a chance you won't return to melbourne park is that a chance is there a chance that that was your last outing at Melbourne Park, and he said, there's a definite possibility that that's the case. Yep. And look, I think there's a chance he will be back. As I said, I'm not retiring Andy Murray, but honestly, I'd be surprised. Yeah, I mean, he he said after the, I interviewed him after the US Open defeat, and and he said he's constantly reevaluating these things. And and if he doesn't see improvement, it's not, it's going to make him not want to, carry on doing it beyond a certain point you know beyond whatever the the idea in his head is about when he might finish he was nowhere near today he it was it was sad to see him play like that and and he had he couldn't figure out why he couldn't 
tap into a really crowd that are waiting for him to give them something to get their teeth into. He said, I, d- I don't understand. Normally I play my best tennis when there's a crowd like that and they want, they wanted to get into it and they were doing everything they could and I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. And um, part of that is a, a, an opponent, 12 years his junior, who clearly is so fit and so ready for the battle and would have happily gone all the way with, with Murray. Um, but even so, Murray usually makes those incredible contests. and He, he just didn't. And uh, it reminded me of the great boxer Muhammad Muhammad Ali when he, he faced uh, Larry Holmes in 1980 and he you know you're talking about the the greatest boxer of all time and suddenly he went out there and he just didn't have it anymore I and mean, he's nearly he was nearly 40 at the time and and he just he was just trying to get to the final bell and that's what it looked like with Andy Murray he looked like he was just trying to get to to the final bell of the match and uh and he looked he looked old out there um i hope that changes i i still think that we will see something of him that is exciting and a great send off at some point i think it might be at wimbledon i'm definitely i'm i'm sure he's going to play wimbledon um he might play two more wimbledons um because if he doesn't stop at wimbledon when do you stop um <clears throat> and Olympics. and yeah, possibly, but I still kind of feel like he might want to stop at Wimbledon. So if he mm. played the Olympics, then maybe there's a temptation to play another one. But it's it's how many of these can you stomach? How many disappointments can you can you cope with when you are when you're working this hard? How um, much pain? I know he he played it down in press afterwards. Big big picture in terms of his hip. I asked him about the visible pain that he seemed to be in to me there was more wincing that I'm that I'm used to seeing from Andy Murray and it did seem to be directed towards his hip and he was quite dismissive about it he said no that's that's normal with the new hip it's something to do with there not being very much soft tissue and not having the range of motion he used to have Maybe that's the case. It looked different to me. He looked like a man in pain out there, and I found that a really, a really tough watch. Matt, any sadness to add to the party? No, I think I think you've said it really. I mean, I mean, the words the word he used was flat. Mm. He, he used that word repeatedly, um, and and I do think there is this sense that I think in many ways the incredible support he receives and in a way feels like it has sort of extended his career you know I I think he I think he really I don't know whether he does but he he almost feels like he owes something to people when he when he goes out there you know Um, and he just wasn't able to tap into that today and that was the aspect that he was most disappointed about you know the fact that he just he just didn't he was just lifeless and listless and that's not Andy Murray. He seemed almost ashamed, didn't he? He, did. he, he used a line about kind of I, I wasn't able to pay them back or I wasn't exactly. able to give them what they deserved. It, it, yeah. That aspect of it I found really sad, to mm. be honest. Um Yeah, it was a Gemma it was feast a really one today sad. though. Yes. Just sort of in sort of similar parallels. It's not Good it's not win, all, actually. all sad for that. And, and actually, I, I felt as though he put up more of a fight and won some sets, but Stan Wawrinka lost the fifth set, set or fourth set six love against mm. uh, Adrian Manorino today. And and again, you just, some, same court. Some of these players, I mean, they can't go on forever, can they? Um, and j- just want them to have a moment and then it's like, how do you time it? Don't know. <laughs> well, yeah. And I mean, they... Murray has had moments, hasn't mm. he? It, this this couldn't have been more different to last year's Australian Open. It was it was, it was the exact opposite. And you referenced that, yeah, yeah. Okay, it is match point, Felix Auger Aliassime. So I'm going to tell you about our various mascots, and by the time I've done that, we might be able to bring you the result from the final match of the day. It's only one forty. 
a.m. So thank goodness they changed that schedule. <laughs> they that problem is solved. <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited for this to be a bit every single night. <laughs> Ticking the box, guys. Problem solved. David, your mascot is Francis. Francis, I've disgraced us so far. I, our two two picks have got the, the total of zero sets out of five. I've got Darwin. We keep coming so close, Darwin. Uh, I, feel, I feel really different about predictions this year. Now it's... Darwin. It's <laughs> a lot, um, lot at stake. Yeah, it just feels such pressure to outperform you two because because I mean the bar's pretty low. <laughs> we don't want people thinking it's Darwin, do we? Yeah. Well, it, well, exactly. Oh. Um, but anyway, we endeavour to do better tomorrow. Matt, you've got Haida and Soma. Yes, we. And we I got, think you we, got points. We got Car- no, we got Carolyn no. Garcia. No. Oh. Well, so did Naomi Osaka, so you're in good company. <laughs> Billy Jean is sponsored by Billy Jean King and Elana Kloss. Felix Auger, Ali Asim has won. And that just about sums up the last couple of years with Dominic team, doesn't it? He's come back, but he hasn't come all the way back. We have our top folks and executive producers, Greg, Chris, Jamie and Jeff and Matt. We have shout outs. We start with Dan Hatch, who says, yes, like Dan Evans. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. <laughs> Good work, Dan. That's oh, we've got to find another Dan now. Or I'll have Dan to do my Alan Altmeyer. Partridge bit. Daniel Altmaier. David I hates tried. it when I do Alan Partridge references that nobody understands. So somebody think of a, a Dan. Me. <laughs> uh, nope. I've thought of one that I'm not going to say. Okay. That's really annoying, but okay. But I'll tell you after. <laughs> and, you'll, and you'll thank me for not saying it. Dan King, the former tennis correspondent for The Sun. <laughs> yes. Nailed it. Thank you very much, Dan. <laughs> we have Simon, just Simon, <laughs> from Ottawa in Canada. Like Solihull Simon. Very much like Solihull Simon, like Briggs. Yeah, like Simon Aspelin, a former doubles player. And like Gilles Simon. Indeed. Simon, thanks. Uh, thank you, Simon. The, the enigmatic, aloof Simon. Mm. Like it. Doesn't need a second name. We have Jesus Jimenez. Hello, Jesus. Hey, Jesus. Is this a Jesus Jimenez that we know? It may well be. It is. I live in Queens, New York. Oh. He writes for the New York Times. Love that. I didn't know Jesus was a listener. Yeah. Oh. Thanks, Jesus. That's brilliant, Jesus. During the US Open, my favourite thing to do is listen to the pod on the train and finish it as I'm arriving. Oh. Oh. Thanks. That's, oh, that's lovely. It's really nice. Do we have any, um, we're relying on you here, Matt. Do we, do we have any tennis Jesuses? Why are you relying on me? Well, because I feel like you might just be that bit more familiar with tennis figures from the uh, the Hispanic world. I can't think of any. <laughs> I can only think of Gabrielle Jesus. That's a person. Mm. That's, yeah. that's We've expanded it to the sporting world. Not a tennis Jesus. Thank you very much. We have Chris Kumara who is from Menlo Park, California. Like Chris, Chris O'Connell. <laughs> I knew it! I couldn't get that out quick enough. No. He's my guy. Beat me to it. Uh, hello, Chris. Cheers, Chris. From from where in California? Uh, Menlo Park, but then also says the San Francisco Bay Area. Oh, that sounds lovely. I don't know lovely. if those are the same. Lovely but, area. The birthplace of Brad Gilbert, Sam Querrey... Mackenzie McDonald and Katie Volignets. What a hub. Yeah. It's mm. like that town in the Czech Republic, which sort of half of the world's top 100 <laughs> reign from. Incredible scenes. Thank you, Chris. And finally, we have Dawn Sawyer. Oh, hey. hello, Dawn. Hi, Dawn. Dawn is in New Haven, Connecticut, and proud mum of two former Grand Slam mascots, Star and Mocker. 
and Dawn is one of our very favourite people. Absolutely. We Legend. love Dawn. And this is the first time we've had a shout out from Dawn where Matt and I can say, we've driven through New Haven, Connecticut. <laughs> we have, right? Yes. Yeah. Great. Thank and, you, Dawn, and, 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 for your continued support. And, and Dawn is part of our newsletter predictions mm. this tournament. Doing damn sight better than us three. <laughs> I think she's good at predictions, Dawn. I think she's got a good knack for predictions. Uh, must do better tomorrow. Tomorrow's the day I get points. If, if it's not, I'm in a Reggie situation. <laughs> <laughs> sign up to the newsletter, folks. Uh, sign up to the newsletter to find out how that goes. S- follow us on Instagram if you want some fake news about attendance levels at Daniel Medvedev's press conferences. <laughs> find out what I'll uh, be apologising for tomorrow. <laughs> it's my turn. Uh, follow us on Twitter for all of Hannah's wonderful work. And most importantly, join us tomorrow for our next daily Australian Open 2024 tennis podcast. We'll speak to you then.